Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we'll stand together and read verse 7 if you're able to. Hebrews 11 and verse 7. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And with that, let's pray. Lord, we're grateful again to be in your house. I pray, Lord, you'd use this uh, little verse here to encourage us as a church family and as individual families to uh, make right choices uh, for our families. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless this brief time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of the message tonight is, As for Me and My House. And of course, you're saying, well, wouldn't you normally use Joshua 24 and verse 15 for your uh, theme verse for the message? Uh, no, because we're going to be really diving into Noah and his family, but um, I did want to quote that verse, uh, Joshua 24 and verse 15. This is uh, toward the end of Joshua's life, and uh, here's what he says to the people there, the nation of Israel, and he says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers us, um, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But then he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And uh, as I was thinking about the man by the name of Noah, um, I thought, you know, no greater example of this particular truth here um, than Noah and his family, who, who lived the, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, no one really uh, did that quite like Noah and his family because they were literally the only ones on the planet who really feared and served the Lord during their day. Um, they gave opportunities for everyone to come into the boat, but only Noah and his family got into that boat and uh, because they were the only ones really who truly feared and served the Lord at that time. Now, tonight, we're going to just very briefly go through, and I know most of us are very familiar with the life of Noah and uh, what the Lord used him to do, so we won't go into a lot of that tonight, but I just kind of want to pick out uh, four brief thoughts about Noah and his family as they made the choice to serve the Lord despite what others were doing. And there were a whole host of others who were doing a lot of other things, and uh, Noah decided that as for him and his house they were going to serve the Lord, and they did. And uh, so let's, let's dive into it very quickly tonight, and uh, don't be alarmed by the length of the outline. Uh, I am going to zip through most of this, um, but I did want to uh, highlight four aspects here. First of all, notice, number one, Noah's priorities. Noah's priorities. As, uh, and, and really, in verse number seven here, it gives these these two priorities that we're going to mention. First of all, um, we see here that he had the priority of pleasing his God. To please his God was his first priority. In verse number 7 it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not, as seen, um, not seen as yet, moved with fear. And so his first priority was to please his God. And that's a very good uh, priority. 
In verse number 6, a lot of us are familiar with Hebrews 11.6 where it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so uh, Noah decided that he was going to please the Lord by believing that he is and that by diligently seeking him and diligently obeying him, uh, he would please the Lord. Okay, well, how do we know that he pleased the Lord and how do we know that he uh, obeyed the Lord? All right, well... I mean, it's kind of obvious, but I'm going to read a couple verses in Genesis here and talk about his, his carefulness, his diligence to uh, please the Lord and obey Him. And he was moved with fear, you know, call it maybe the wrong motivation. I, I don't know. I, I think when it comes to the Lord, we better, we better have a healthy fear of God. Um, we're, we're lacking that in our culture today. Uh, we kind of think that Jesus just needs to be my best friend, my buddy. Uh, he still is a holy God and a righteous God, and he, can, uh, he is to be feared. Well, Genesis chapter number 6 and verse number 22, it says this about Noah. It says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So whatever the Lord commanded Noah to do, Noah was obedient because his priority was on pleasing his God. That was his priority. Genesis 7, you say, well, okay, that's one verse. You know, are you taking it out of context? Okay, let's go to chapter 7. And let's look in verse number 5. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. So here Noah was a man who took careful, he was a good listener and understood exactly what God had said for him to do. And he was obedient to everything that God had said. Now, was he perfect? We'll find out a little later. He was not a perfect man. Uh, but he was a man who did desire and had the priority in his life that he was going to please God. Okay? What was his second priority? Well, he also wanted to protect his family. To protect his family. Back in Hebrews eleven seven, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, moved with fear. And here it is, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He wanted to protect his family. And like a good, like a good father would, uh, protecting his family is a big priority in his life. I hope that those of us who are dads and, or moms and dads would, would want to protect our children. A lot of, a lot of men uh, do this. They physically protect their family. They may even have some firearms in the house in case a bad guy comes in and, and they have the ability to fend them off and protect their family physically. Uh, maybe you have locks on your doors and, and one of the things I do at night, usually before I go to bed, is I go and check the, the locks because invariably one of the locks is left unlocked uh, because we have kids coming in and out and dogs coming in and out and uh, we need to have those locks locked. And so I do that. Um, we take precautions. There's, a, there's someone else who's helping me with this message, and I appreciate that uh, back there. But uh, take precautions, you know, different, you know, maybe you have a security system in your house, maybe uh, some type of uh, other physical safety features that you have in your home to protect your family physically. And those are good, and I recommend and encourage you to use those. 
But unfortunately, there's a lot of Christian parents who fail uh, to protect their family, spiritually speaking. Um, We fail to guard the influence in their lives, and we spoke about that a little bit this morning, making sure that we have the right influences in our lives. And so, uh, moms and dads, it's our responsibility to guard the influences in the lives of our children through the various screens in their life. Uh, We have the TV screen, we have the computer screen, we have our cell phone screens. All of these screens can be used for good, but all of us know they also can be used for bad. And the devil will love to do anything he can to get into the hearts of your children, and he'll use any size of screen. Uh, Noah wanted to protect his family from the coming judgment. And we as parents and grandparents and as a church family, we need to protect our, uh, the next generation from the coming judgment as well. Because look, every one of our children will stand before God one day and give an account for their life. And either they'll be judged according to their works, and if they are, I'm telling you, my friend, the sentencing is not going to be pretty. If they're judged according to whether they did things uh, with the right motives and they were, they were a believer, uh, then they'll, have, they'll, they'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and uh, they'll be able to um, be saved at that point. Or they're already saved, but you know what I mean. They'll uh, be judged according to the things that they've done in their life. And so we need to protect our family for the coming judgment. Just like Noah was thinking, hey, there's a judgment coming, and I want to make sure my, my family is prepared. By the way, I would like to just point out quickly before we move on to the next thought here, notice the order of Noah's priorities. Because the order of these priorities is absolutely critical. Pleasing God first, and then protecting His family. I think there are a lot of parents... Uh, Christian parents in our culture today who uh, put their family and kind of get the order a little bit out of balance. Hey, I got to protect my family and I got to make sure that my family is safe and uh, pleasing God. Yeah, that's important, but we'll put that on the back burner because my children, uh, that's not Noah's priority. Noah decided that he was going to obey God first and, uh, and hope his children came along with that. So, I want to encourage all of us to have the same priority as parents, to please our Lord and to protect our families. But notice, secondly, number two tonight, Noah's preparation. Verse number seven, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, and here it is, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Genesis chapter six, uh, we, we find that Noah is living in a very wicked day, Um, there is a lot of violence going on. There is a lot of wickedness happening, and it's it's an ugly situation. So God says to Noah, hey, uh, you're one that's going to obey me. You're one that fears me. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy this earth with a flood. And so I want you to build an ark. And he gives them the instructions on what to do. And so Noah prepares this ark and a couple thoughts about preparing this ark. And how many have been to the ark encounter over in uh, Kentucky? Yeah, a few of us have. And uh, we got to go this this summer and really enjoyed it. And it was a great experience. And 
really kind of made you think because a lot of the things you don't really think about until you get there and they start showing you how they have to deal with uh, all the different situations, how to feed all these animals. And it's pretty amazing the things that they came up with. And it's not exactly biblical, but it's hypothetical and probable that that happened. Okay, well, a couple thoughts about this preparation that Noah made. First of all, it required work. So when God told Noah to do this, it wasn't like an easy deal. It wasn't an easy task. And I just want to mention this when it comes to parents, uh, parenting and raising children. Um, Raising children who love and want to live for Christ in this present world is not easy. Many times it's going to feel like we're swimming upstream and that we're all alone. Noah is willing to put forth the effort and was willing to work at it, and we should as well. Raising our children and preparing them while we have them. We don't have them for long. Now, Noah had his kids for a little longer than most parents have their kids in our day and age. Um, We have our kids for about 18 years, maybe a little more. But there in Noah's day, uh, Noah's boys probably stayed and lived around mom and dad for a long time, and they just kind of established life together. But, uh, but Noah prepared the ark, but he also prepared his children for what was coming. And it required some work. It also required not only work, but it required time. The Bible says that uh, it was 120 years it took to build this ark. That's a pretty long building project. And look, when it comes to parenting and uh, when it comes to investing in our children, it, it re- it's going to require time. A lot of people think, well, hey, as long as it's quality time, it doesn't need to be quantity time. Uh, how do you think that went for Noah when it came to building the ark? Hey, we're just going to put a good couple hours in today and call it good, and we'll just do that. Uh, it required a lot of time to build that ark, a lot, of, a lot of effort. And when it comes to raising our children, it's going to require a lot of time, a lot of time with them. And, and by the way, for those who are, who are parents who are empty nesters, you know what I'm talking about, how that time seems to go, and you don't even barely remember that time anymore. It just goes so quick. So we have to redeem that time. Proverbs 22 and verse number 6 it talks about using the time that we have to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So Noah prepares this ark and prepares his children and his family for what's coming. And I want to encourage us as Christian parents, as Christian grandparents, and as uh, a Cornerstone Baptist Church, that we prepare the next generation uh, for what's coming. So we've seen here Noah's priorities, Noah's preparation, and let's move on to number three here, Noah's preaching. Noah's preaching. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5 says this, Spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So it talks about how Noah was a preacher of righteousness. 
and how he had preaching. You say, well, I have never been to Bible college, or maybe I'm a mom, and you know, I'm not going to get up and preach a sermon. Well, actually, you are called to do all of that. Now, not within the church, uh, but at home. And dads, you may not have been to Bible college. You may not have taken homiletics. And you may not alliterate your sermons like I like to do. Probably that's better. I know it's a little weird that I do that so often. Um, But look, being a preacher is more than just getting up here and and talking for a while. Uh, Being a preacher means that you're in talking to folks and uh, investing in their lives. Noah was a preacher. Uh, Let's look at a couple aspects of his preaching. First of all, he proclaimed righteousness. So he verbally communicated to those around him, particularly, I'm sure, his children, and he was proclaiming righteousness into their life. He was preaching truth into their life, and he was making sure that they understood the truth. Because he knew one day a raindrop is going to fall. And then another one. And then the, then, then the, then the heavens are going to open. And the flood's going to come. And he's going to want to make sure that his kids are in that boat. So he proclaimed righteousness. He uh, was sure to declare verbally. God wants us as well to verbally communicate truth to our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Here it is. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. So God here tells moms and dads that it is our responsibility to communicate this. And so I ask this question to moms and dads. Are you proclaiming righteousness in your home? If not, you are not giving your children what they need the most. You say, well, look, Pastor, honestly, we're giving them food, shelter, and clothing, and entertainment, maybe even some education. I want to be kind here tonight, but look, these things are good, but to be honest, most unsaved parents are providing those things as well. What you and I need to be doing is making sure that we're diligently teaching our children the truth. We need to be proclaiming righteousness like Noah did. It was said about Timothy. Paul said to Timothy in, in, uh, in one of his letters, he said, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Look, from a child he, he knew the scriptures. How do you think Timothy knew the scriptures? Well, I submit to you that his grandma and his mom made sure that they were proclaiming righteousness into his young life. They took seriously their responsibility to make sure that Timothy understood the truth. Yes, I'm sure they made sure he had a roof over his head. 
and clothes on his back, food in his belly. Those are good things, but they also made sure that he knew the scriptures. Do your children know the scriptures? Are you teaching them? Once again, I, I hope that your children are learning the scriptures here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. I hope that they're learning doctrinal truth about who God is, about the way of salvation, about the truth, about living a pure life. But look, if that's all they're getting, my friend, that's not enough. They need to be getting it as, at home as well. Okay, think with me for just a quick second here. Let's say that your family comes to Sunday school, to Sunday morning service, to Sunday night service, and Wednesday night. And we'll kind of combine the time of those services, and we'll be generous and round up to, that equals to less than, but we'll round it up to five hours a week. So they're here at Cornerstone Baptist Church for five hours a week, at, at most, really. I'm being generous with that. And uh, we know that there are 168 hours in a week. So that means that we have them here at Cornerstone Baptist Church at most for 3% of the week. And they're under your watch, moms and dads, for 97% of the week. Can I ask this question? What are you doing with that 97%? And I realize some is at school. Some is sleeping. I understand that. But are you using any of that 97% to proclaim righteousness into, your, into their lives? I would definitely suggest those of us who have children in the home to, that you would use uh, or that you would start a family Bible time where you set aside time each day to read the scriptures to your children and to teach them from you. They need to hear it from mom and dad. Yes, they need to hear it here. but They need to hear it from you most of all. And if we're not doing it as parents, then I'm sorry to rely upon the church to do it. And then when they graduate and, they say, and you say, well, the church didn't do a very good job. The youth group wasn't very good or... You know, there's really nothing for our kids after they graduate. I, I'm sorry, but to blame the church for that is unfair. We have them for 3% of their life, at most. And you have them 97% of the time. You better be using that some of that 97% to be imparting truth, to be proclaiming righteousness into their life. If your children are small, maybe choose a, a good children's devotional and uh, something that you can use to teach the Bible to your children. But again, it is my responsibility as a parent and yours as well. So he proclaimed righteousness, but not only did he do that, he also practiced righteousness. Because look, teaching is not enough. We must also model it. I think about, uh, again, back to Timothy. Timothy's grandma, Lois, and his mom, Eunice. In Timothy's, uh, or Paul's letter to Timothy, he said, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. See, look, the reason that Timothy, I think, had this unfeigned, real, genuine uh, 
uh, real uh, faith in his life was because he saw this real, genuine faith modeled in his mom and his grandma. It wasn't a, it wasn't a facade. It wasn't a fake, uh, fake faith. It was the real deal. I, I think also his spiritual father, Paul, uh, did that as well. It says uh, later in that, in that same letter, he said, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. He said, you, you've seen me. It's not just things that I've just said, but you've seen how I've reacted. You've seen my life. Moms and dads, are, whether we like it or not, our, parent, or our children are watching our lives. You can try to act all spiritual, but look, they know what's going on inside. They can see it. They're experts at looking past the facade and seeing who we really are. Now, our lives better match up with our lips. So let's not have a do as I say, not as I do mentality with our children. I mentioned that Noah wasn't perfect. Uh, Genesis chapter 9, after he got off the ark, what did he do? He went and got drunk. So I'm not suggesting that, uh, and by the way, I'm not saying that this is an excuse to do this, but Noah definitely, I believe, practiced righteousness for the most part. And, and, and look, our kids know that we're not perfect. I don't think they're expecting us to be perfect. They need to see us uh, practice righteousness in our lives where it's not just fake. We Oh, it's time to put on our spiritual outfit and come to church or our spiritual facade and come to church. No, Monday through Saturday as well. And so Noah's preaching. He proclaimed righteousness, but he also practiced it. And I want to encourage all of us who have influence over the next generation to do exactly that as well. And then quickly, lastly, tonight, Noah's product. What happened what happened with Noah's having the, the right, these priorities? What happened with his preparation? What happened with his preaching? Well, first of all, his family was saved. And I'm sure that that was priceless to Noah. Again, that was one of his priorities. And so when that rain came and he looked around and he saw his family inside that ark, I'm sure there was a a tear of sorrow for those outside, but a tear of joy as well for those who were safe because they followed his direction. First Peter chapter 3, verse 20, it says, when sometime, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Eight souls were saved. And I'm glad that as Noah looked around, he was like, okay, me, my bride, my three sons and their brides. And I'm sure that he was thankful that his family got on that boat. Well, Noah's story is found in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. If you go just a few more chapters in Noah or in Genesis, uh, you'll come to another man by the name of Lot. He made some choices for his family as well, didn't he? Noah decided that he was going to pitch his tent towards Sodom. And while Noah chose God, Lot chose gold. 
But Noah's family was saved and Lot lost his family to the world, including his own wife. She became exposed to the culture of Sodom and while you could get her out of Sodom, you could not get Sodom out of her. Be careful about exposing your family to the world because Lot made dangerous decisions for his family. And all of us have these decisions to make every day. And I just want to say this, I'm not content just to prepare my children for this life. I want to prepare them for eternity. And I hope that you desire to do that as well. So his family was saved, and then, last thought here, the world would get a Savior. Now, I think the world would have gotten a Savior no matter what Noah did, because God had a plan and a promise, and he was going to make it happen. However, Noah and his family got to have a part in that. They got to be part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. One of his sons, uh, Sem, or Shem, uh, was the, the part of the lineage of Christ that was mentioned in Luke chapter 3 as we read the Mary's lineage. Noah and Sam got to be part of that. What a legacy. Look, their, their faith outlived them. What about you? What about me, mom and dad? So as we think about the next generation, we're about to head over here in just a moment to invest in them. Certainly, going to camp is a good thing, but for moms and dads, again, we can't rely upon a camp preacher to change our kids and to impart truth into their life. Now, hopefully he does. And he did this year, and it was great. We made some good decisions. I think it's valuable to go to camp. Moms and dads, you cannot delegate this responsibility to a camp in Florida. You can't necessarily even delegate it to a, to a youth leader who, who gets up, has a full-time job, and spends time still studying for Wednesday night and Sunday morning. You can't delegate it only to him. You can't delegate it to your Sunday school workers. While I'm thankful for them and what they do, and they are a blessing, and the children's workers, and, and even me, you can't delegate it to us. You've got to take responsibility yourself as a mom and as a dad and say, this is my responsibility to get truth into my children. Grandparents, the Lord used Lois to be an influence in the life of, his, of her grandson. God could use you to be an influence to the young ones around here. May they see your faithfulness and your unfeigned faith, and may it dwell in them as well, because they see it in you. All right, well, let's pray tonight. Lord, we're thankful for the life of Noah. Thank you, Lord, for his priorities. Lord, thank you that he was willing to prepare. And Lord, help us to implement these same priorities into our lives, to desire to please you, and then to protect, uh, to protect our families. But help us to keep it in that order. Help us, Lord, to be good preachers in our homes. Um, help us, Lord, to proclaim righteousness into our children. And then, most of all, to practice it as well. Lord, I ask that you would do a great work. And uh, Lord, I pray that the product would speak for itself in time. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.